Warrior Woman, welcome back to the podcast. Okay, we're going to kick it off with a question. My question is, what do you get when you combine safety, cycles, and semen? The answer is C, pregnancy. And that's what we're going to talk about today on the podcast. My guest, well, I think she said safety, cycles, nipples, and semen about a hundred times in this episode. And I really tried to come up with a cool title for the podcast using these words. And I failed. (laughs) Uh, So instead, I called it how to optimize your body for pregnancy. And all of those things are in the optimization process. Meg, my guest today, is a functional nutrition practitioner and a restorative wellness practitioner. And she focuses on women's functional nutrition. We first met when we did a podcast together with our dear friend, Kitty Blomfield. And I was just so drawn to her energy and her passion. So I had to have her on the podcast to chat about all things cycles and pregnancy. She is currently in her third trimester with her second baby boy. So here is a little short and sweet overview of what we chat about today. We talk about why having a healthy regular cycle is really important for our fertility and to prime our body for pregnancy, how to use our cycle as a tool to track our health and fertility, why having a healthy body is important for pregnancy, and what does a healthy body look like, how we can prepare our body for pregnancy, what supplements we should take during pregnancy, And then we dive into some myths around food and pregnancy and we finish our conversation talking about feeling foreign in our body when it changes uh, as we go through pregnancy and postpartum. This was uh, a gem of a conversation. Meg has so much knowledge when it comes to the female body, our physiology, our biology, our nutrition, the gut, our hormones, cycles. Uh, and yeah, there are a lot of gems in this. There's, she just gives so much information when you know I'm speaking to her and you'll hear it come through the podcast episode. She just lives and breathes this. She's so passionate about helping women feel well and healthy and have bodies that thrive and function optimally. Uh, She looks at labs all day long and she talks about food all day long. And so in this episode, we bring all this together and we really look at, you know, why is it important for us to think about uh, our health and our fertility before we become pregnant And then once we are pregnant, how can we support ourselves and the baby in the best possible way? Okay, Warrior Woman, I really hope you enjoy this episode with Meg on how to optimize your body for pregnancy. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition, and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard, and we should all feel strong and confident. So this is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones, and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Okay, Meg. Let's speak about pregnancy. 
Yes, let's do it. I'm pregnant. <laughs> I'm pregnant and I've been pregnant. I've been pregnant four times and I have one baby and then one on the way. Would that be, would that count as a half? Would you say one and a half babies like right now? Uh, what is, um, what kind of vegetable or fruit is it at the moment? Oh, you're right. It's, I think it's a pineapple. I think <gasps> it's a pineapple. I always I have, love to know like what, uh, what fruit or vegetable. I think it was like two weeks ago. Like this was actually like two weeks ago. It was like a rollerblade. I'm like, wait a second here. I have a rollerblade size baby right now. I don't think that's accurate. I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think, I mean, are we talking about a kid's rollerblade? Because if we're talking about my husband's rollerblade, that's a big rollerblade in my belly. But, you know, and then the other time, because like, on the apps, you can switch like, you know, you know, it was, it's like fun game or I don't know, object or fruit or vegetable. And so sometimes I'll just switch around. One time it was a baseball mitt and my son is obsessed with baseball, bayball. So I was like, look at baby J is the size of a bayball, <laughs> bayball glove. <laughs> that was cool for a week. Um, but then it changed into like a pineapple. So, or a rollerblade or one of those. So yes. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about all the pineapples, rollerblades and bay balls. All the bay balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's like a few pieces to it. And I wanted to start with like this, you know, pre-pregnancy, uh, the, the time before, mm-hmm. uh, around like, you know, talk about fertility and getting the body prepared and why that's really important. Uh, that's where I kind of wanted to start with it. Yeah. So I would say like as simple as possible, if you have, if you're like, yeah, I'm starting to think about pregnancy. What does that mean for me? And like, are, are there steps or do I just like go after it and do as they do on the discovery channel? <laughs> I would say, uh, yes, but also what would be really helpful is to learn your cycle. And especially if you're thinking about preventative or not preventative, when you're thinking about, um, being as healthy as you can be preconception health is very massive because it's not only going to affect, um, the baby, which most moms are naturally gifted at, or women are naturally gifted at thinking about other people, but it'll also impact you and postpartum. So, um, learning your cycle is really, really important. And so there's a couple, there's so many resources now, which is excellent. Um, but I would say if there's two books that you would start out reading, that would probably give you like a one step ahead of the game. And that would be taking charge of your fertility. Did you read that? Yes. Yeah. Almost pregnant or not. Like that is a book. Every woman should, should read. It's a thick book. I wouldn't consider myself a very, I wouldn't consider myself a very like uh, fast reader, a very, I don't know, you know, like I just, yeah, I take my time with reading. Let's just put it that way. I read that book and it's a thick book. I read that book in like two nights and I kept being like, oh my gosh, like I cannot believe cervical mucus is normal. I used to think that like discharge was something wrong with me. I remember thinking an infection. I didn't want to say anything to anybody. And I just like, or it was just like this weird thing that only my body did. And I, and that book is, like I said, even if you are not quite ready to get pregnant yet, that is something that I actually would say as any woman staple, it needs to be your Bible. It talks about what's going on in your body, which believe it or not, most of us just don't know. I mean, most of my peers don't know. It's like, I get a period about every four weeks. And then, yeah, I know that I ovulate. I don't know how many times or when, but I know that I ovulate. Um, so that would be the first book. And then the second book is, uh, the fifth vital sign. Have you read that one? Yes. So good. I would say that book was a little bit more, it breaks it up very easy to read. Whereas let's say that you had questions about your cycle on what the, what is the follicular phase? You could go straight to that chapter. And I think I just like the way that it breaks it up a little bit. So both I keep on hand, both I think are excellent. Both I would recommend to most women, but especially as you are stepping into like desiring to become pregnant. Um, and just to quickly touch on like your cycle, is that okay if I do that? Yeah, totally. I want to, I want to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So just to quickly talk about your cycle, there are a couple different ways that people would break it up. So people would either break it up into like four categories, your menstrual cycle, your follicular phase, ovulation, and your luteal phase. 
I remember when I was first learning, that was just really confusing. It felt like a lot to remember for some reason. So I just break it up into two. I say your follicular phase, your luteal phase, and then there's ovulation. And we all know what period is, right? We all know what, what when we're bleeding. So the reason why it's so important to learn your cycle is not to just figure out the time that you have to have can optimize sex to make a baby, but you can see what is the state of my health at before getting pregnant. So for example, um, it, it, the, the, the book title, the fifth vital sign is, is exactly what it, your cycle is. It is quite literally a report card of how your health is. As a woman, we have this supernatural gift that may or may not make us more superior, probably makes us more superior, and that's our menstrual cycle. And so the first half of your uh, cycle is called your follicular phase. So the first half, follicular, and I would say that's your period to ovulation to make it easier. And during this time, what's super interesting is that um, as we may or may not be aware of is that our, our hormones will rise and fall throughout our cycle. And during this time, our hormones will begin to rise specifically estrogen during this time. And we will notice that like, especially as we get closer to ovulation, we may notice like, oh my gosh, like, am I ridiculously good looking? Like my skin is good. My hair is really great. Um, I have, uh, I'm just like quicker on my feet. I, you know, am able to like come up with words right away. And then you ovulate and you're like, yeah, I will for sure not negotiate sex with you. I'll have sex with you. That's fine. I'm totally into it. Um, and then, you know, it'll come down to your, your luteal phase where, um, the hormones start to drop a little bit and you may notice yourself becoming a little, a little bit more introverted. And maybe you become like very obsessed with like organizing and cleaning. And, um, you're just like, you're, you're more skilled at paying attention to the details and then your period comes and, and you're like, Oh, okay. Let's kind of just like be low key and movie night sounds good. Um, and that's all because we have different flows of our hormones and it is natural to have those flows where we are maybe more energetic. Our, our, our sex drive is a little bit higher. And then we get into our luteal phase where we're more like, let's cuddle and watch a movie and let's stay in. That would be normal. But when we start tracking our cycle and we start to see signs that are abnormal, like maybe, wow, okay, I'm noticing that I, I'm every single time that I'm ovulating, I'm actually like getting really bad PMS. Sometimes I want to cry. My boobs are tender. Like I have really weird spotting. I notice that I have cervical mucus or discharge throughout my cycle that I, that doesn't seem normal. Um, or I notice that when my period comes, like I am a wreck, my skin is breaking out and I have really bad cramps. And you you just, you start to notice things throughout your cycle that are, are not, as I described, it's not just like a little, like, Oh, I'm more, you know, energetic or, and I'm more introvert this time. It's these extremes, highs, low breast tenderness, cramping, heavy bleeding, clotting. Um, and, and, and that's a report card of, Hey, there's something more going on. And I can go into like more detail of that or wh however you, whatever you think that would be beneficial. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, why having a healthy regular cycle that arrives on time that we ovulate is important it when we're looking at fertility and uh wanting to make a baby yeah i think one of the things that most women are aware of is that we need to have enough progesterone to keep a healthy pregnancy so um first of all when we're looking at ovulation we actually only ovulate one day out of the entire month we are fertile anywhere from two to seven days but we actually only ovulate one day out of the month and during that time of ovulation, it's incredibly important that we are confirming that we're ovulating, not just because we are needing to, we're desiring to get pregnant, but because of the specific fact of that progesterone hormone, the progesterone hormone is very unique in the fact that, um, every woman needs it, whether or not they're trying to conceive or not, because it's a very protective hormone. It is a uh, very anti-stress hormone. It's a calming hormone. Um, it opposes estrogen. So you may have heard the term 
estrogen dominance or excess estrogen in somebody's body. Um, the reason why would be most of the time that we don't have enough progesterone to oppose estrogen. And we need progesterone to, to, uh, to make a healthy baby. So the um, cycle is important to learn because one, then you can confirm your ovulating. I, I have some clients that suffer from PCOS. So the, if you've ever heard of like using an LH strip or tracking cervical mucus, that can be very helpful. Um, but if you have something like PCOS, you may have a positive LH strip. You may also have cervical mucus throughout your cycle where it's not easy to say, oh, okay, I absolutely did, con did, con I can confirm ovulation. And again, it's important to confirm ovulation, not just for getting pregnant, but because of how important that progesterone is. There's a really good, uh, endocrinologist. She's since passed away, Katherine Adalton. Um, and she talks a lot about progesterone and she even talks about progesterone therapy and the lack of progesterone that can contribute to like postpartum depression, um, in a, a lot of women. And so having not only just, um, ovulating, but making sure that we're ovulating well and healthy. And I would describe that as no symptoms, not feeling like your PMS, not having headaches, not having a really just a normal, healthy ovulation, which would look like having cervical mucus anywhere from two to seven days, and then confirming ovulation based on basal body temperature and cervical mucus is great too. And what that would look like is you have on your follicular phase, that first half, your basal body temperature is anywhere from, let's say like 97.6 around that time. And then you ovulate and it's going to be around 98.4 and 98.6. It's going to be significantly higher. And you can confirm that by it being higher for anywhere for three to four days. So by confirming ovulation and having a really just, I feel really great during ovulation. I'm not having any pains, any PMS symptoms, any headaches. Then you're, then you're, then it is a really good, uh, uh, it would be a really good thought to think, okay, I probably have enough progesterone and my body's probably uh, making enough to not only support my pregnancy, but also to support me during pregnancy and postpartum. Because as I talked about, Dr. Rena, uh, um, Katharina Dalton, if you want to know more information about postpartum, she's the, she is just the best and, and progesterone. So that's, that's one way. <laughs> um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I think, you know, I am such a big advocate for women to know their cycle because then we get to know our body and we can advocate for our body. So, you know, when we go through uh, fertility and maybe trying to get pregnant and for a lot of women, that's not an easy journey. There's a lot of things that can come up, you know, they find it really hard to get pregnant. Uh, they have miscarriages. And, you know, if we are taught way back when we start our cycle about our body and about our, you know, our cycle and what's going on with our hormones, I feel it just allows us to like advocate and know our bodies a little better. So when we come into these new stages or new seasons of life, we just have more connection and confidence with our body. Yeah. And you can, like you said, advocate, you can articulate what is going on. So, you know, doctor, it is every single time around my period that I have noticed I have a headache. It's every single time around my period that I notice I am actually spotting. It seems like a healthy period would just come, um, you know, without spotting before or afterwards, that would be considered abnormal. And I, just, I, I think it's important to understand the normal cycle. So I just want to go through that one more time and make it super clear. So in your, in your, as your period comes, your first half of your follicular phase, your period should come. And like I said, it is normal to feel a little more like I want to stay in and watch a movie. Um, so that's okay. Your period should come. There should be no spotting. You have a healthy bleed for anywhere from three to seven days, anything less and anything more would be a sign of something deeper going on. I would, I would say to my doctor, if I was bleeding less than three days, I'm bleeding less than three days. I want to know more about that. Usually it means low progesterone. I'm spotting after my period, or I have, I'm, I have really heavy periods that can mean excess estrogen. Um, and so 
that's what a healthy period would look like. And then going into the follicular phase, we talked about ovulation that should just kind of come. It's a, it's normal to have a little bit of an increase during that time of a sex drive, although we should always have a sex drive, but it's normal. (laughs) It is normal to have a little bit of an increase because our bodies are naturally trying to, uh, reproduce. And then you get into your luteal phase where, um, your period should just, um, as you're, as you're, coming down off you after ovulation and you start approaching, uh, uh, your period again, it is normal to, again, start to feel like a little bit lethargic and not lethargic. That's not the word I want to be introverted. Like it's, it's normal to be like, I just want to stay inside. I'm not, I'm not as active. Um, but the PMS, the cramping, the clotting, all that again is abnormal. So it is normal to fluctuate and be introverted and out, you know, some people are like, Oh my gosh, like I was a little bit more, I had a client where I I guess I used to stress so much, like your period should come with no issues and it should come with no issues, but it's okay. If she was like, I just felt like I really wanted to watch a movie. I'm like, Oh, that's okay. (laughs) You're okay. If you want to watch a movie, you don't want to run a marathon. Yeah. It's okay. That's okay. I'm like, I I guess I need to do a better job of explaining like, it's okay. But, but many people do just have no energy shift at all. Um, so yeah. Okay, so the cycle is one sign that the body is healthy. Uh, What else are we looking for? Because a while ago I saw, um, I can't remember her name. I think it's Dr. Demiri. And she started to talk about this trimester zero, like this this time before. You know, we always talk about the three trimesters Mm -hmm. and we weren't really speaking about, you know, how to prepare the body this time Mm -hmm. before. And so one sign is that our cycle is arriving regularly on time, mostly without symptoms and that we're ovulating. What are some other things that we should be looking for that give us an indication that the body, you know, is healthy and yeah. I love this question because this is a really important question that you just asked because I actually, so I had two miscarriages and I actually did have a very healthy cycle. I've always had a healthy cycle. And one, it does make two, it takes two people to have a baby. So it can, it doesn't matter how healthy I am if my spouse isn't, but we did just happen to be in a very stressful season. And at the time of us trying to conceive, um, I had a lot of personal um, things happening around me and, and they were very heartbreaking, you know, dealing with the family members with addiction and stuff. It was very heartbreaking and hard that we were navigating through. And at the time, when I looked back, looking back now, I realized that every single thing would stress me out. Oh my gosh, I have to go to the grocery store. Oh my gosh, I have to, I did, you know, Brady needs a, I don't know, a folder of of my son needs a folder for school, or we need, uh, we ran out of Q-tips. Like every little thing would very much throw me emotionally over the edge. And I think it's really important to say that it is, you know, it's okay to have hard days, but if we are in a season of high stress and our bodies are very sensitive to the normal daily tasks, then that is something that we may want to consider either one being on top of setting boundaries. That was for me. Um, Scheduling in fun, wasn't good at that one. And then obviously the, well, not obviously, but the minerals and the food I was, I was pretty good at. And so I would say if you're in a season of stress, really recognizing that and the four ways to um, really tackle that are, am I meeting my uh, mineral and vitamin needs, which I can go into more? Am I eating enough? Am I scheduling in fun? And Anna, am I putting up appropriate boundaries? So that would be like one area, which I think very much had a, a large impact on my, on my body's ability to feel safe enough to get pregnant. Other things with my clients I notice is like digestive issues. So if they're not pooping every day, um, if they notice that they have really bad acid reflux, um, I had a client that was trying to get pregnant for eight years and she had a crazy amount of, um, of, uh, dysbiosis, H. pylori and a parasite. And so that was, you know, her cycle was actually not affected too badly. She did have a pretty bad, um, uh, cramps, but that was like the only sign everything was else was on time. And, uh, when we, I do stool analysis in my, um, practice. And when we did this stool analysis, that was one of the things 
And her first giveaway was I have really bad acid reflux. And so she was constantly taking PPIs, which is like a anti-acid um, prescription and trying to, you know, cover up the uh, symptoms. Not, she wasn't trying to, that's what she was, you know, told to do when, when we looked at it, her body was under stress because of all the things that we had, she had going on. So digestive issues is another one. We talked about the emotional stuff. And then the other thing is like, I see a lot of women wanting to get pregnant or step into preconception health, but also so wanting aesthetics where they're chasing under eating and, uh, over exercising. And they're not willing to, uh, they're, they're not, either, either not willing to, uh, afraid to, or just unaware of how important it is to make sure that we're eating and are eating enough and nourishing our bodies to feel safe enough to get pregnant. Yeah. I love the word safe. And I don't think a lot of us think about it like that. You know, we think about, yeah, okay. You know, I'm thinking about having a baby and then we kind of, again, it's not our fault. We just weren't taught this stuff. Just the same as we're not taught about the cycle. We weren't really taught about how to, you know, make our bodies feel safe and prepare our bodies for pregnancy. And so the word that I, yeah, that you use that I love is does my body feel safe? And, you know, if it doesn't, what am I looking for? So you just went through some key signs that you can look for uh, to maybe indicate that the body doesn't feel safe. And then what we need to do is to make that body feel safe. So you mentioned four things, the boundaries, the emotional stuff, the fun. Could we just talk a little bit about like the food and the minerals? Because like you said, that's a big one, especially for women who maybe they train a lot, you know, they, uh, for a long time, maybe they're still training, maybe they're chasing an aesthetic goal, which has to do with, you know, losing weight or losing fat. Uh, and maybe their body doesn't feel safe. So how can we start to create this safety? Yeah. Um, so there's different tools to track how your body's healing that I think can be really helpful. And one of them is like your basal body temperature and your pulse. I really love, um, especially relying on the basal body temperature more than anything, because I think the pulse is really great. Um, if your first time is hearing this, take a deep breath, we'll get through it together, <laughs> but a healthy pulse should be around 75. And when it's under that, and you've been an athlete for a little bit, um, you know, it, that is common that you would have a low pulse, but we actually want a high functioning, uh, pulse that says our body's ready to go versus like, I'm preserving, I'm preserving, I'm preserving. We want a body that's like, yeah, okay. I'm like safe. The, 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 I, the big word today, I guess, um, you know, that is, that is feel like that's running, you know, revving up to go. Um, so, but more than that, I really, I really, uh, push for temps more than anything because women are usually doing it as they learn their cycle and it feels like less one less thing. So tracking your temperature um, is a really good uh, sign to see how your body is healing. And so as we're implementing the mineral changes, as we're implementing the food changes, we can see how is our body actually responding to this? Um, and we're not, it's taking a little bit less guesswork out of that. So just as a quick example, like I said, in your follicular phase, your temperature is going to be a little bit lower as a woman. Um, and then it's going to be a little bit higher as in your luteal phase, because that progesterone will actually increase increase your basal body temperature. So I say like 97.46 around that time in your follicular phase is pretty good. And then 97 or 98.46 and your luteal phase is pretty good. Um, and then kind of, and making sure that we are, um, not below that, depending on that, on those phases. So let's say that you're like, okay, I take my basal body temperature, which would be first thing in the morning before getting out of bed. And you notice that you're low and you're like, all right, I'm starting to believe this a little bit, what you're saying. I'm, I'm taking my, 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 <laughs> my pulse rate. My pulse is around, you know, 63. I, everything is running a little bit lower, like you said. Okay. So what do I do about it? I definitely want to get pregnant. 
The first thing that I always recommend people doing is actually just keeping track very lightly. Um, I come from an eating disorder background. Um, so because I've had an eating disorder, I'm not somebody that really likes to, to write down my food. It's, it's very triggering, even though I've studied food and I love food and have a healthy relationship, it's just some, not something I'm comfortable with. So whether you are like me, where it can be triggering to write something down or you love data and you want to write it down, I would keep an idea of how much you're eating. What I find is that many clients are skipping breakfast. Um, maybe they'll eat a lunch around 2 p.m., 3 p.m., and then they'll eat a dinner and that's really it. Um, sometimes they only just do a 2 to 3 p.m. dinner or lunch and then dinner and that's it. And so what a healthy body would thrive off of, a body that's ready to um, get, get the nourishment and that re is required for not only mom, but for baby, it would look something like you're waking up in the morning, you're eating every, uh, within like maybe this, uh, you know, first 30 minutes of, of having a bre breakfast, breaking that fast and having something with a lot of protein, carbon, fat in there, then you're eating every three to four hours after that. Um, if you found yourself like being like, I can't stop eating, that may be some blood sugar dysregulation where you want to keep it a little bit shorter, two hours, three hours, um, for the first month or so, and then start to, you'll be able to back off from there. But that's the first tool. So let's say you start to take your basal body temperature, your pulse rate, things are low. You start increasing your food intake and you're like, I'm feeling pretty good but I'm not a hundred percent yet. Well, let's start paying attention to how we're combining our meals. Like I've said before, that combination of protein, carb, and fat is very, very important. If not just at least a protein and a carb. I have found that most women uh, that I work with that struggle to eat are deficient actually in protein. Do you find that? Yes. So we are constantly trying to figure out ways to get protein in their diet. Protein is incredibly important for not only your, the health of your uh, body and building muscles and recovery um, and thyroid function and enzymes and getting the body to work a cellular structure, like, but it's also really important for the babies as well. Everything that you're doing is going to impact the baby. So making sure that we're getting at least a protein and a carb um, at every single meal, even in the snacks. Um, so that's one of the things that I would start um, working on. And then from there, if we can get, get into the weeds, so you're saying, okay, yeah, okay, I'm eating every three to four hours. I'm getting a protein with every meal and at least a carb. Then that's where we can really start to like worry about, okay, well, in the pregnancy, there's actually vitamins and minerals that our bodies rely on. And I, I know I started super simple, but that is because truly people will get so caught up on like, I heard you say oysters. And then they're not eat, they're eating 20 grams of protein. I'm like, that's great that you heard me say oysters and you're eating a raw carrot salad. I love that for you. But also like you're eating 1200 to 1400 calories, you're five, seven. And we, you know, we need to get your eat, you, we need to get you eating more. So that's why it's like, I love getting lost in the weeds, but like, we've got to get the foundations because if we are not getting the foundations, our body's going to continue to be in that stressful state as if we're in a traumatic and a, you know, a big traumatic season, whether or not we are, you know, I was love, yeah, I, no, I love that. And it's so, it's so powerful. You have to lay the foundation. You mm -hmm. have to, you can't just go into the house and start interior decorating uh, when you don't have a foundation. And yeah. I think, you know, especially maybe if we've struggled a little bit and we're having a hard time to fall pregnant, we can actually go into the weeds and we oh, can yeah, get obsessed. After. Like, you know, we get stuck down there, we get obsessed, whereas, you know, we just need to come out and we need to be looking at, at the foundation and those, those four things that you mentioned about, okay, you know, if I really want to try and prepare my body the best that I can, you know, I'm looking at my stresses. I'm looking at my emotional stuff. Like what is really causing a lot of stress? Um, my boundaries. Am I actually having fun? Am I sleeping, you know, enough? Am I getting sunlight? Am I moving my body? Am I feeding it enough fuel uh, instead of just focusing on getting oysters? Oysters yeah. are great. I love oysters. Yeah, but they're phenomenal. And I, you know... I've gone, I've paid a lot of money to learn a lot of stuff. I've gone to school for a very long time. I'll probably always go to school, 
Um, and I think that I help a lot of people with some pretty tricky situations, but there are also many times where people are doing all the interior decorating, like you said, and I'm like, you just need to eat more. You just need to eat more. We, that's what we need to focus on with you. So it is worthwhile to, as much as I want to work with you one-on-one, it is worthwhile for you to meet those foundations first. If those foundations are not met, then that's where you need to start. You do not need to get lost in the CoQ10 and the, you know, bioavailable copper and the magnesium burn rate and all that stuff. If you are not eating enough food, if you are not moving, if you're not getting outside, if you're not, you know, addressing all the foundational stuff so that, yeah, but let's say you are. So let's say, okay, Meg, I, that's literally not for me. Please get lost in the weeds because I'm, I'm actually trying to do everything that I can. I think I'm balancing my blood sugar. I think I am eating enough. Where do I start? Like what foods are important for me to, um, talk, uh, you know, to think about. And I actually don't take a prenatal. So I do not take a prenatal. It's not something that I did with my son. Um, but like I said, the more that I learn, the more I really feel confident, uh, utilizing food. And part of it is because, uh, the ingredients in, you know, supplements, but a, a large part of it is also because I realized that it's never usually as simple as your hormone health is bad. Your zinc or your, you know, your sperm, your spouse's sperm is bad. Take zinc because that has actually an antagonistic relationship with other minerals in our body. And so these things that I used to chase, Oh, I, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm talking about sperm right now, but sperm, you know, like that's the biggest thing. Like you, or at least I heard in the hormone industry was like hormone health, sperm health, take zinc, take zinc, take zinc. And so that that's, you know, what a lot of us will do and it will actually deplete bioavailable copper. So I do not take a prenatal. I very much rely on a food first approach because by nature's design, it is very, uh, smart, you know, being nature as it is. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> much smarter than us. And it always comes with the appropriate, um, pairs of vitamins and minerals that work synergistically for the purpose. So one of the big things that I don't take that I'll, I'll address right now and just get it out there is actually vitamin D. I do not take vitamin D. The reason I don't take vitamin D, or at least I'm not a fan of mega dosing past 2000, um, is because the fact that when we are taking vitamin D, it can actually, um, not allow for the metabolic pathway of retinol to be utilized and absorbed the way that it should be. So why is retinol important? Well, first of all, retinol is vitamin A. You can find it in food sources like beef liver, heavy whipping cream, butter, all the things that many of us are afraid to eat or have been told at one point in our life, it's not great to eat. But that retinol is incredibly important at supporting the thyroid hormone. And um, it, it, a little bit about endocrinology, the thyroid hormone and progesterone work hand in hand together. So we talked about progesterone in the beginning of this you know, episode. So if we are not if we are not supporting our thyroid, we're not getting the amount of progesterone that we need. And also the thyroid controls every metabolic system in our body, our digestive system, our immune system, our endocrine system. So it's really, really important that we are getting enough retinol and we're not mega dosing or chasing after one vitamin that may impact another vitamin. Um, so retinol, like if you're looking for that, I really, really strongly suggest that you're, you feel, you know, you look into eating some butter, you look into eating some, um, uh, cooking with lard, you look into, um, uh, a heavy whipping cream, beef liver. Uh, another thing I would say that would be really beneficial for you and your partner to take on is consuming beef liver. How do you take beef liver? I know you take it. Do you do it raw? Do you cook it? Do you do it frozen? Uh, I take supplement mm -hmm. and then sometimes I'll cook it. Yeah. With butter and, and garlic. And do you like the taste of it? I don't mind it. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. And I wish I loved it. I wish I loved it. Beef liver is probably one of the most powerful foods that you can get for preconception health or in that, you know, that zero trimester. Um, 
And as we're looking to improve our hormones, because it is a multivitamin, um, earth's multivitamin it is extremely rich in B vitamins. It has retinol. It has something called bioavailable copper that I briefly mentioned in the past, uh, in the, you know, a couple minutes ago. And it is very, very nourishing for not only you, but also for, um, the baby it, it's, it is literally earth's multivitamin. I can't stress it enough. It is the one thing that I, no matter what I will take. So preconception, I actually felt confident enough to do it frozen and I would cut up little pill size, did it frozen and chase it with some orange juice. You freeze it for two to three weeks. Don't do, don't do any less than that grass fed, you know, good quality. Um, but then when I felt pregnant, I felt a little nervous about that. And I just felt more confident doing um, supplements. So supplements are fine with that one. And one of the things that I love about it is because it does have bioavailable copper. And when we know about bioavailable copper, we know that almost every enzyme in the body with the exception of like four run on bioavailable copper. The other reason why it's really important is because many of us will experience or have been told that we were anemic in our third trimester. So that's a whole other conversation, but if you want to even be avoid being told that a really good thing to have is bioavailable copper. Um, so beef liver is going to have that whole food vitamin C, like orange juice. Um, what else is going to have it? Oysters. You heard me talking about oysters. Oysters are going to have it. Um, and one of my favorite things to, to talk about with bioavailable copper is, um, I like to give this little example of why you, why you need to eat, why it's so important to eat foods. Right. And especially this beef liver that has retinol and copper in it. So, and it also has zinc that we talked about earlier, but so there's something that can happen in the body called iron overload. It's actually something that happened. My, I experienced my husband experienced. You can do something like a full Monty. If you want to know if you have iron overload, but if you ever took birth control for 10 plus years, if you ever grew up on, uh, breads, cereals, pastas, if you ever took conventional medicine, if you ever took iron in at any point, then there is a good chance. And you didn't grow up eating beef liver, oysters, um, butter. There's a good chance that you may have some iron quote stuck in your tissues. And so what I mean by that is we can all just picture together that we're in a little nightclub. So we're all in a little nightclub and we're just like hanging out. And in this little nightclub, iron's with us and iron's just like hanging out and, you know, more iron and his buddies are just like coming in. We're at the Jersey shore. They're just fist bumping. They keep coming in. And then we have copper and we see copper's the doorman and that he runs a enzyme called ferroportin in the cell and the doorway. And so the coppers, you know, you know, running this enzyme and he's, he's doing a pretty good job, but like, he is also just kind of like his other copper buddies kind of like came along and they're just like chatting. And you're like, are you doing your job? Are you checking IDs? Because there's a lot of iron in here. Well, what retinol does is retinol is the manager and the retinol is going to get his little butt down there. And he's going to say, copper, you need to open and close these doors. I got to push you into the cells to work as, as, as you should be. You can't just be hanging out and just, you know, enjoying the nightclub. Like you've got to be opening and closing these doors. And what we experience when we have enough copper and retinol is we have iron moving appropriately throughout our body. We have limp, we don't suffer from uh, oxidative stress or inflammation. We have a healthy pregnancy. We don't experience quote anemia. Um, and so that is why eating these foods are so important because they have such an implication on our pregnancy. And even uh, premature babies often don't get the download of bioavailable copper that we need. So we need to be eating that throughout our diet. If you are um, jaundiced, you know, as a baby, need that bioavailable copper. So as a mom, you know, you not only are you protecting your own enzymes and hormones and all the things that run off of bioavailable copper, but also your baby. So it's not just for anemia, but it's for jaundice. It's for, um, you know, premature delivery. It's for, um, every enzyme that's going to run in their body. So paying attention to these foods like beef, liver, retinol, butter, um, animal protein with like, um, uh, bison or beef or steak also is going to be rich in that retinol and, um, and, uh, different zinc and different vitamins that are going to be really important for protecting our enzymes and our, how our body runs as well. Yeah. Long-winded answer. No, no, I really love it. It's really powerful because again, 
you know, maybe we uh, are pregnant and then we, we start again, get pulled into the weeds and we're, we're focusing on, okay, which like supplement do I take? Which, what should I do? What, and we're not really coming back out and saying, you know, am I still eating enough to like grow the baby, grow the placenta, to give myself energy? You know, am I eating those foods that are going to support my hormones and the development of the baby? Uh, And I think that's really important. And it's even for, even if we don't want to become pregnant, we get so much, we get so stuck on like supplements and the weeds and the, you know, the small things when we're really not addressing the big stuff, the, the simple stuff, uh, you know, not always easy, but, but it is simple to working against us when we get lost in the weeds. And if we are just chasing supplement for this problem, you know, I, again, don't know why sperm keeps coming up, but sperm sink. You know what I mean? Like it's, that's just like, I guess I just read that like just recently where I'm like, Oh, don't tell them to say take zinc. But, um, you know, it's just one after the other versus relying on a more food first approach where we are, you know, working with nature and how it has the vitamins and minerals to, um, that are meant to, uh, you know, support the body. Yeah. And while we're talking about foods and pregnancy, there's quite a lot of myths out there around like foods and pregnancy. Like you shouldn't eat this, don't eat that. Uh, And we're talking about like beef liver and oysters. And can we just dive into that a little bit and break down some some myths? Yeah, absolutely. So um, just recently I went on a trip and I was near the ocean and I had raw oysters and the amount of DMs I got was not good. Um, (laughs) People were actually really great. People were like, oh, I didn't know. And so first of all, always check with your practitioner. This is just suggestions. This is based on my research, what I'm comfortable with, what I'm comfortable suggesting to my clients. So I'm just going to give myself that caveat, you know, but when it comes to food, let me tell you, I am in my third trimester. I have, there is rarely any food that I am, that I'm afraid to eat. I'm, I am, I, if it comes from food and it's a high quality, I'm, I'm, I am very, very, I would say, let's say I'm not pregnant. I'll probably go to hole in wall sushi. If I'm pregnant, I'm going to the nicest sushi restaurant. I am a little bit more, you know, particular with that. Um, but, uh, but, but the reality is, is that it, food and nature are, are, are meant to nourish your bodies, right? They're not trying to harm you. Um, anything that's processed when we get into like the processed deli meats and stuff that, that may have a little bit more harm. So I would say one of the biggest myths that I feel comfortable taking and, uh, would highly recommend is actually raw milk. So milk is one of those that are, um, uh, first of all, not every state, I know you're in Canada, I'm in the U S not every state in the U S can have raw milk. Um, in Georgia, where I live, you can have it, but it says for pet consumption only. So when you're looking, I actually have to look for pet consumption only. Um, but our local farmer is wonderful. She's a huge, like Weston, a price foundation, uh, supporter and just knows the benefits of raw milk, which is it's a protein, carbon fat. It's loaded with nutrients like retinol and D vitamin D and copper and selenium. And so it's really, really nourishing for the body. So, um, that is one of the things that I think are, is, is a great, um, option for you. And something I feel comfortable doing in my pregnancy. And I'm just going to put this out there because there are people that just their states won't let them. If they can't do the raw milk, I still think it's beneficial to try to get some milk in there. And I would look for something like an A2 whole milk, organic grass fed. Um, But see if you can look up your local farmer and get some raw milk. So that would be one. Um, I mentioned oysters earlier. Um, I'm very, very, very confident and... uh, uh, just a huge fan of raw oysters in anybody's diet, as long as they're not allergic because of the amount of bioavailable copper and zinc that is needed. A lot of women experience heartburn in their diet, but they're actually deficient in zinc as well. And so rather than supplementing with zinc, which can deplete your bioavailable copper, choosing a food option like an oyster, which is going to have both bioavailable copper and zinc in it is actually going to nourish your body and support something like acid reflux in your diet or in your pregnancy, um, and get the, the zinc for your hormones health and the bioavailable copper for, like I said, almost every enzyme in the body, except for four. Um, so uh, oysters are another one. Bee pollen. Um, bee pollen is actually super rich in B vitamins. It's also very um, uh, 
Well, I, I would say B vitamins are probably the biggest thing that I utilize it for bioavailable copper too, but the B vitamins in pregnancy, like I'm a little bit more like strategic with the B pollen in that. Um, and many times they are, it's, if you Google it, it says like to not take it during pregnancy. So, you know, if you, I would, it would be something where I would make sure you don't have an allergic reaction to. <laughs> so maybe take that before, like a little bit before you, during the preconception month zero, try to see how you do. If you feel really great with it, it's not something I feel uncomfortable stopping because I know the loads of uh, B vitamins that it, it, it uh, offers you. And, and many women are concerned about getting enough B vitamins in their diet if they're not taking a prenatal. Um, so that's another one, um, that I think can be really powerful. And like I said, shellfish in general, I'm not afraid to eat sushi as long as it's high quality. I love the protein. I think it's a great option, um, that is really light on the stomach, especially when you get very pregnant and you can't, you don't have much room in there. Um, uh, any other, any other ones that you're, that are coming to mind for you? No, those are the big ones. Oh, no. One of the others is, um, eggs egg yolks oh, yeah like, that's a real old school one no it can't have the the raw egg yolk or a poached egg yes yeah and um i think that if you're uncomfortable doing raw although there are a lot of benefits for doing it raw like uh keeping the nutrients not cooking out the nutrients which you can't really outcook the nutrients but the, i think that's a myth that is uh, that is now there's a lot of people doing way more raw than they're it's okay that you could cook the, cook the nutrient or you can cook it, but I also think that you can do it raw as well. It is very, very rich in um, retinol again, um, uh, uh, choline, which is really needed for the body. Um, it is a great protein option. Um, and so I think that having, and if you're worried about cholesterol, cholesterol, uh, there's a book called eat the yolk. It goes into how important it is to actually eat the yolk and support your cholesterol. High cholesterol usually means two things. In my opinion, iron gets stored in the liver, the gut and the macrophages, which is part of the immune system. So if you have high cholesterol, usually there's iron stuck in the liver. Um, and then, uh, it also usually means that you're either not getting enough saturated fat or your liver's quote congested and not the bile flows, not breaking through cholesterol or high cholesterol. Again, in my opinion is basically saying there's inflammation going on the bi uh, body and actually eating something like an egg yolk can be very, very <laughs> beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think those are the main ones. And I, I'm like, I want to say that, you know, with all of this stuff, I, you know, I really like encourage you to dive into like your own research or, you know, I think the, we need curiosity mm -hmm. as, as, you know, humans, but as women, you know, in all these stages, when it comes to our cycle, our hormones, fertility, pregnancy, like we need to be curious. We should be digging into the research again, so we can like understand our body and what works for us and what we feel comfortable and safe with. And, and I think that's really important, you know, always relying on somebody else to tell us what to do. Uh, you know, we need to know innately, I think, you know, and feel comfortable with our choices and our decisions and really be empowered by that. So, you know, I encourage you to do your own research and just because, you know, it might be a myth or you heard this from, you know, maybe your grandmother or something that, you know, like challenge that or at least be open and curious about that. And then also, you know, don't judge someone if you see them and they're pregnant and they're eating a raw oyster. Yeah, they may be like Meg, who's been studying for like years and years and years and has done their research and it really feels comfortable with that decision and that choice. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this before we even started recording it, but I think that's like, that's, that's so true because I mean, the more that you are able to question and learn, I, I, and maybe you don't have all the time. Maybe like, this is actually a hobby for me. Like if you ask me <laughs> to start studying football or yeah. I know, like, I don't know, math, I'd be like, I just don't care. Just tell me what to do. That's fine too. Um, but I think that if there's something in your, in your gut, no pun intended, that says like, this seems like I should be able to eat. It's a food. I'm not taking a medication. Then that's where it's like, yeah, we'll look into it more question, ask, um, see different opinions. And, um, and I think that would be, you know, worthwhile exploring, but that, that was a good point. Good point. Yeah. Okay. So I want to finish with 
This conversation uh, about feeling foreign in your body. Now, it comes up a lot in my work with women who are going through their healing journey and their body composition has changed or, you know, maybe they were an athlete before and they kept their body composition at a certain composition, but now they're no longer competing and then their body composition changes. And I hear a lot about females talking about feeling, you know, uncomfortable in their body, like their body is not theirs. And, you know, it's this feeling of feeling foreign in our body and, We can, I guess, like link it to certain seasons, you know, when we go through puberty, yeah, we change and that feels really foreign. And then, you know, maybe we go on a healing journey or or something happens and then we, our bodies change. And then when we come into pregnancy, like, whoa, like our bodies like really change. So I don't know if you thought much about this or you have conversations with your clients, but How did you yourself navigate this feeling? Did you feel it? Yeah. And what came up? And then how do you also help women uh, navigate this? Yeah. Um, So I feel like I, so when I got pregnant with my, the pregnancies that I've experienced, I have felt so different. Um, When I got pregnant with my son, we got pregnant on the first try I was like, all right, we're switching. We were avoiding during ovulation. Now we're trying and we got pregnant. And so it was very calculated as it was exactly how I expected it to be. Um, And I was very into CrossFit at the time and I was lifting a lot and running um, and I hated being pregnant. I was very uh, insecure. I even got a bad haircut, which made it worse. (laughs) Um, I felt like I was bigger than everybody else. Um, I felt like I couldn't be in the, I mean, an athlete that I wanted to be, I couldn't move. I was really annoyed to be honest with you. Like I just, it was easy for me. I, there was no complications. I did not understand why people felt so great being pregnant because I was like, this is annoying. I actually just want to move a barbell. Like I actually just want to mow my lawn. And it was really frustrating to me because it felt like this thing that was just kind of like you know, maybe in a dress that looked cute, having a bump for a second, but otherwise I was just like, this is really annoying and I don't like it. So during that time, I really struggled and I really struggled because I had come through years of an eating disorder, years of, I actually did bodybuilding. I was, I was sponsored athlete, worked things like the Olympia and the Arnold and did all these shows and was paid to wear a sports bra and have abs. And so I had come from such a journey of like recovering from that mindset. And when I got pregnant, that mindset came back where I was just like, this is terrible. I don't look good. My mindset was so much on like how much I didn't feel like I looked good enough. And I really didn't like that. It felt foreign to my body. Um, so I'm just being very real with you got through postpartum. I felt a little bit better. It took me almost a year. I breastfed for a year. It took me for almost a year to actually feel better in my own skin. And there was nothing, um, you know, fantastic that I can say that I worked through it. I just felt how I felt. And, um, I didn't really talk about it because, it felt embarrassing. It felt like I would maybe come across like I just didn't really, wasn't really grateful. Um, and, and I moved on. Then I had two miscarriages and then I got pregnant again with now I'm in my third trimester. And I will tell you that there's, you know, there's the same things, you know, my, you know, nipples are a mile long and my boobs are huge. And I just don't feel necessarily like, you know, like a Victoria's Secret model, sexy little thing. But I am actually, I do have a different mindset where I feel very grateful. Like, and and, and this is just my experience. And so because of the miscarriages and because of desiring and seeing how much this is truly a miracle, I am, I am owning my pregnancy more. And what I wish that I would have told myself back when I was experiencing it is that it's a season of life and it does, it it can be uncomfortable for a lot of people, especially people that like to exercise and it just feels different, but it's a season of life that it is a really, really special journey that 
not everybody gets to be on. You actually are creating life. And you can, aesthetics are not, when you are in a healthy body, when you are well-fed and well-nourished, aesthetics can change and you can get to whatever aesthetic goal you, you know, you have in mind and you can work towards that. Um, but really loving yourself and learning how to love in the midst of any hardship or journey is just a skill that takes a little bit of work. What I wish that I would have done without the, like it be coming from trauma, it's easy to be like, I am so grateful. I am just so grateful. I am so grateful. Like, I do not want to lose this. I am, I just am so thank you for this. Like every time I touch my belly, I never thought I would be able to touch this again. But the first time when I didn't have that trauma, I wish that I would have worked through it. I wish that I would have Googled even like Googled support, Googled what other moms have felt. I was just kind of isolated and felt really bad. Um, and I don't think my experience needed to be that way. So when you talk about like, what would I say to my clients or what have I said to my clients? Not everyone's open with me like that. Yeah. And, um, and I wish that I there that I that I actually did the work to enjoy it more, knowing how actually special it is. And and that's really all that I have to say on it. Like it is seasons, your body changes, your body's gonna change again when you're older. And um again, coming from a, a place where I used to self-hate so much, even when I had the body that you know, was paid to look good. Um, I never loved myself then either. And, and I, and I wish that I, all the work that I did to actually love myself and not just, you know, look at myself as like an object. I wish that I felt, I wish I did that same work in pregnancy. I didn't know how much it was going to alter that. Um, and it didn't take a, a trauma of losing two babies to be able to actually be grateful for it. So I don't know if that really like answers it, but that's just like my true heart of how I feel. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's your story and your experience that I really wanted to to hear about. I think it needs to be spoken about more often. You know, we we very heavily have this friction between the performing body. Now, whether that's physical performance or your body's performing, yeah, because you're yeah. making a baby, you're growing yeah. a baby. That is a performing body. So we have this friction between our performing body and our objectified body. And, you know, a lot of the times we battle to, to achieve this objectified body, you know, this aesthetics now, you know, I'm so, yeah, I'm just so interested. Yeah. I'm just really interested in this relationship between our performing body and our objectified body. And when we go through different seasons and, you know, we, we, we become pregnant and then we're in postpartum and, you know, this can go on for years. Yeah. We've got the pregnancy for like nine months and then we're postpartum and, you know, we could be in this space for a year or two years around, you know, this feeling, this friction between, okay, yes, I am super grateful. My body is performing and I'm, I am really grateful and I'm making a human, but then also we have, you know, the pressure from the culture and, you know, also we have to grieve. We have to grieve of what our body could do before, or maybe how our body looks. And I think we definitely have a right to, to do that, you know, and if we, if we express that we shouldn't feel bad, it's not like we're not being grateful. Yeah. For, but it's like, it's a real thing. And I, you know, I think we just need to speak about it more. Yes. You're going to experience this friction between your performing body and your objectified body. And it's going to be there. Um, and you know, it's going to be hard sometimes, but you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's normal. You're in it every day. And like I said, even this pregnancy, I, I, I sincerely have a little bit of a uh, instant reaction to grab my belly and just be like, okay, you're still there. You're still there just because of how heartbreaking it was. Um, but still like I, the baby moves, I have sciatic pain, you know, like I, my boobs are getting ready to breastfeed again. Again, they're very tender, you know, like the reality of like my husband grabbing the remote. Sometimes I'm like, Whoa, like yeah. your body just feels different and it is tender or painful. And, um, and like you said, you can be grateful and feel that at the same time. And, um, and I, and I think that I wish that it was talked about more or that I knew to talk about it more, um, when I was going through it. And I think that it's such an important topic to anyone, because when you 
when you've been through a loss and in, in any couldn't get pregnant for a year, it, fe- it, it, you feel this amount of like almost guilt. Cause you don't want to feel the bad way anymore. But, but when you, when you get to talk about it too, you get to say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my nipples really hurt. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I get it girl. <laughs> um, and it just, it just normalizes the season that you're in and, um, and the nipples go back. I'm, I apparently am very much talking about sperm, the word safe and nipples. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but thank you for what it is. Yeah. I'm going to make one hell of a title out of yeah. this podcast episode, <laughs> try to link the word nipples, sperm yeah. and safe together. Yeah. <laughs> going to get right. some very interesting probably viewers, right? Like, I don't know what, what kind of viewers would be interested in the word safe nipples and sperm. Sperm. Yeah. yeah. Well, (laughs) all right, Meg, I think, I think we we've covered so much and you're growing a human. So I want, I want you to go and put energy back into yourself because you've just given us so much of your energy for like an hour. You're, you're like, no, you can't see her, but I've just watched her for an hour and her like passion just like oozes out of her for this stuff. Like when she talks about oysters and sperm and zinc, it's like, she, you know, you're, you're just so passionate about it and I can see it come through and you have so much knowledge and wisdom and you just dropped, you just dropped knowledge bombs, that entire podcast. There's so much in that. And I just want to thank you for, you know, your time in your third trimester. Well, thank you for having me. And I have to say the same back. We were on a podcast together, Kitty, Kitty's podcast. Um, and I was like, make, we could, uh, you know, if you're on zoom, which we were on, you can make like little messages. And I was like, oh my gosh, you have the cutest facial expressions ever. Like I was just commenting on you the whole time because you are just, uh, I mean, right back at you, you just, um, ooze passion and, and have just a very infectious personality, which is awesome to be around. So yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And we'll do another one. Uh, I'm when down, you, after, after you birth that baby out of you yeah. and <laughs> you, you settle with your rhythm post, yeah. post second. Postpartum. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about postpartum for sure. We didn't cover that today, but there's a lot in that. There's a lot in like yeah. when you actually give birth and then yeah. How are you looking after yourself and, and the baby? And if you bre- if you can breastfeed and what you can do, and if you, if you can't, and you know, we could dive into that, you know, well past your postpartum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Warrior woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaway. woman. So this training, nutrition and health stuff has challenged you at your deepest level and now you feel stuck. Maybe you've missed regular training for over a year due to an injury and you feel scared to start training again. Maybe you've tried so many programs but they didn't work. So now you feel tired, overwhelmed, out of shape and weak. I believe this stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard. I also believe that we should all feel strong and confident. So I pulled on all my knowledge and my experiences over the last decade and created Warrior School. In Warrior School, I help you swap confusion and overwhelm for a plan to get stronger and healthier. And who doesn't love a good plan? Inside Warrior School, I will teach you the key metabolic nutrition principles to give you energy and support your training. I teach you how to approach training to get stronger and get those results that you want. And I teach you how to regulate your cycle and use it as a tool to support your training. 
I invite you to become a part of Warrior School in three simple steps. Fill out the application form on my website, book a free discovery call where we talk about your training and your goals. Three, start training today to get stronger and healthier.